Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us as we open God's Word and drink in the words of eternal life. John chapter 6 is an amazing chapter. It tells the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and what happened after that. Many people know about the 5,000 being fed, but are you aware of what happened the very next day? Let's take a look at what Jesus taught those people and how he teaches us that Christianity is a taught religion. I'd like to begin this morning by telling a story. It's a story that I imagine most of us know, or at least, at least know parts of it. It happened, of course, during the life of Jesus Christ. And I imagine it was a sunny day, probably a little bit more sunny and hot than this day that we've got out here around us. And it occurred on a mountainside near the Sea of Galilee, or the Genesaret Lake, as it was also called. And what I just want you to imagine, a lot of times when we think about, oh, they were on a mountainside, we, we think about uh, the, the big, huge mountains that we see when we go on vacation. But it probably looks a lot more like this hill that's, that's right out beside us. And if you can just imagine for a moment that that house that's at the top is not there, and this building was not here, and it's... As you look on down south, there's no factory and there's no houses. There's just a, a huge lake, so huge that they even call it a sea sometimes, just off in the distance. And Jesus had, had come around and was up on that mountain. He had taken his twelve apostles with him and was teaching them. And crowds had followed him. In fact, the, the text tells us in John chapter 6 that there were 5,000, about 5,000 men. That's not counting the women and children that were in the group. I mean, we're talking about a huge crowd. It could have been up around ten to 12,000 people by the time you consider women and children that would have been coming along with these 5,000 men. And as they're there, and just imagine being at the top of that hill and looking out at those masses. You're one of those 12 men that are with Jesus. And Jesus turns to you because you're Philip, and he says, um, I want you to feed those people. Philip looked at him and said, Lord, if I had 200 days worth of wages, two-thirds of a year, eight months of salary, there's no way I could feed all these people. Fortunately, Andrew is there to rescue him. He says, well, Lord, here's this young, young man here. He's got five barley loaves and two fishes. But, of course, you recognize there's... There's no way that five barley loaves and two fishes, that, that wouldn't feed me, let alone all of y'all, let alone that huge crowd, right? And yet Jesus says, tell everybody to sit down. And they sat down in groups and Jesus started breaking up these five loaves and these two fish and handing them out to the people. And the people began eating. And then, and then when he was done, he told the apostles, 12 of them, he said, I want y'all to go out and, and collect the scraps, the leftovers. And every single one of them, all 12 of them, collecting the leftovers, were able to fill a basket, one for each of them. What an amazing sign. The people, of course, were amazed. And this is the kind of man they wanted as a king. Whoever can feed us like this, he ought to be king. And they were going to force him as king, but Jesus slipped away and wanted to go off and be alone. And he sent his apostles off across the sea. And they started across. Jesus went up high into the mountain and was alone. The masses dispersed and did whatever they could do to forage for the rest of the night and sleep. And in the middle of the night, Jesus decided to meet up with his disciples. But he didn't walk around the sea. He just walked across it. And it had gotten windy in the night and the, the ship, the, the boat was being tossed about. And Jesus came out and they saw him. And 
he calmed the scene, got on the boat, and immediately they were across at their landing point, and they got out and spent the rest of the night there. And the folks on the other side of the sea woke up, and they couldn't find Jesus. There weren't any other boats. They don't know how he got across, but they assumed that somehow he must have gotten across with, with his disciples. And they went around to where he was, and they found him. And then Jesus did an amazing thing. He didn't feed them again. Instead, he rebuked them. And he said, you've come to follow me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate and you wanted more food. And what you need to do is not work for the food that perishes, but work for the food that, that takes you to eternal life. And, and do the things that God has said. Well, what is that work? They said, well, you need to believe on Him whom He sent. Well, what signs will you show us so that we'll believe? You know, Moses gave us manna in the wilderness every day. And then Jesus began to teach them about the true spiritual food. And He said, I'm not going to be feeding you anymore. He said, what you need to do is learn how to eat My body and drink My blood. Have spiritual fellowship with Jesus through His Word. And they didn't understand it. There were a whole bunch of them that grumbled and complained. And of course, Jesus used a very stark language. I mean, he, wasn't, he wasn't the least bit trying to coddle these people. I mean, can you imagine if, if you were there and you were hoping to get something real to eat, and he said, eat my body and drink my blood. How, just kind of the gross mental image. And that's the image he gave them. But he demonstrated to them that he wasn't talking literally, but talking spiritually about the fact that they needed to be in close union with him and take of the words of life. But the crowds didn't like what he taught. They didn't like what he said. And the text tells us in John chapter 6 that most of the folks just left him. And then he turned. And he saw his twelve apostles and he looked at them and he said, are, are y'all going to leave me too? And just imagine, I don't know if it happened just a group at a time or a few at a time, but can you imagine looking across this plane, five to ten thousand people as they just start drifting off and leaving. And finally, he's left just there alone with the twelve. And he looks at them and says, are, are y'all going to leave me too? And do you remember Peter's words? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we've also come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus said there at the end of John chapter 6 that I have chosen you and yet one of you is a devil. Speaking of Judas Iscariot, whom he knew would betray him. What a powerful story. What a powerful look at Jesus, who He is and what He can do. And most of us are familiar with that story because we've learned that story ever since we were children. At least we've learned the part about the feeding of the 5,000 and that miracle that took place there. We can all remember the loaves and the fishes. But one of the things that I'm concerned about is often we haven't heard that story or learned it in the bigger context that it's actually a part of. John didn't just write this story just to tell us about 5,000 people being fed by five loaves and two fishes. He wrote this story as a part of a bigger narrative that was actually talking about how Jesus and how God expected His religion to be propagated. How He expected folks to be drawn to Him. And in that story, when we look beyond just the feeding of the 5,000, we also find out ways in which God did not expect and does not expect his religion, Christianity, to be taken out to the world and to draw people into it. It's really a phenomenal story, but one of the things that really saddens me today is we look at even brethren, but just the religious world in general. And then I'm amazed how many people will come to this chapter and they'll just look at the feeding of the 5,000 and they'll actually use it as an indication or evidence to do the very things that the bigger context says that's not what we're about. 
I'd just like for us to think for just a few minutes as we consider this story about what Christianity is and what Christianity is not. I want to start, even though it takes us all the way to the end of the story in John chapter 6, with what Christianity is. Peter, there in his confession to Jesus in John chapter 6 and verse 60, uh, 68, Jesus said to the twelve in verse 67, you don't want to go away also, do you? But then John chapter 6 and verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. You see, Peter got the point. The masses didn't get it. They didn't understand. But Peter and the twelve, they got the point. You see, the masses had thought that what Jesus had done that was so important was He had fed them. There in verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek Me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. The masses, as they looked at Jesus, the most important thing He did was He fed them. But Peter understood the most important thing that He did was that He taught them. And He didn't just teach them anything. He wasn't teaching them math. He wasn't teaching them science. He wasn't teaching them history. He was teaching them the words of eternal life. What a powerful thing He was giving them. But for the masses, it wasn't enough. They weren't interested in teaching. They were interested in other things. But Peter and the twelve, they got it. Jesus, You have words of eternal life. You have words that will save us. That if we continue to be with You and drink those words in, we'll have the life that is You. That You represent. Within this context, as Jesus had tried to teach the masses... In John chapter 6 and verse 44, Jesus had demonstrated exactly how God wanted people drawn to Him. In John chapter 6 and verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. The Father has to draw folks, otherwise we can't be saved. A lot of folks have misused this verse because they don't read on down to verse 45, but Jesus explains exactly how the Father intends on drawing people to Him. Exactly how God is going to save people, and apart from this means, Jesus points out they're not going to be saved. You can't come to Me unless the Father draws you. So if you're doing something other than following the Father's drawing, you're not getting saved, is what Jesus says. And in verse 45, he said, it is written in the prophets. This is John 6:45. Watch, watch this closely. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Notice what Jesus points out. How does the Father draw folks to him? By teaching. Christianity is a taught religion. Now, we must not misunderstand it this concept of being taught of God. When we look in the bigger context of Scripture, when Jesus talks about being taught of God, He's not saying that only those folks who hear, God, who hear God's voice in their head get saved. In fact, we recognize that, that this statement is made in a bigger biblical context. For instance, look at Psalm 119. The Jews understood what it meant to be taught of God because the psalmist and other Writers of Old Testament Scripture had talked about this over and over again. But look in Psalm 119. We're just going to find one example, several verses here. Psalm 119 and verse 97. As the psalmist here talks about being taught of God, pay attention and notice how he says that he was taught by God. But notice what had happened. 
In Psalm 119 and verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ages, because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for, notice this, You yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. The psalmist said the Father had taught him. But how? Well, he loved his law. He meditated on the Father's law. He was wiser than the enemies because his meditation was on God's law every day. He had more insight than the teachers because he meditated on God's testimonies. He understood more than the aged wise. Why? Because he had observed God's precepts. He had restrained himself from every evil way. Why? Because he had kept God's Word. And in that context, he says, you yourself have taught me. How did the Father teach? He had given the Scripture. And this psalmist had meditated on it, had read it, had studied it, and followed it, and was able to say to God, you yourself have taught me. When Jesus says that those who are drawn to Him are taught of God, He's not talking about us hearing God's voice in our head or God making us do something. He's talking about folks who have gotten into His Word, who have studied and have been taught by God because they've gone to the teaching of God. He says that's the only way we get drawn to Jesus. And if we're doing something else, it's, it's not salvation. You see, Christianity is a taught religion. That's what God always expected and that's what God wants of us today. And I want us to recognize, and we'll probably go into this more in depth in another lesson sometime in the near future, but we need to recognize that if we're going to bring folks here in this community to God... We can have all kinds of amazing draws. We can do all kinds of fun and exciting things. But the reality is the only way the Father draws folks to Jesus Christ is by teaching. And I also want us to think about our kids. I mean, how many of you want your kids to grow up and serve God and go to heaven? Okay? I mean, that's... uh, I didn't even have to ask that question, did I? That's a no-brainer. That's obvious. But there's only one way. There's only one way. They have to be taught of God. That's the only way folks get drawn to Jesus Christ is by being taught of the Father, which means getting into the Word and learning it and knowing it and living by it. If we're doing other stuff than that, if we're we're getting off that beaten path that God has set for us, we're not bringing folks to Jesus Christ because Christianity is a taught religion. But I want you to notice what it's not. As we take a look here in John chapter 6, we can look back after Jesus had fed them. You remember what it said in verse 15? In John chapter 6 and verse 15, So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take Him by force to make Him king, withdrew again to the mountain by Himself alone. They wanted to make Jesus king. Now, let's think about this in the historical context. We know, of course, that Jesus came to be a king, but not this kind of king. If they had just named him king, this would have been rebellion against the Roman Empire. It would have started a war between those who would follow Jesus Christ and those who would follow Caesar. But Jesus slipped away because what he demonstrated is that Christianity is a taught religion. It is not a thought 
religion. In John chapter 18 and verse 36, he explains why it is not a fault religion. As Pilate was questioning him there in one of his trials, Jesus said in John 18:36, "My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my disciples would stand up and fight that I might not be handed over to the will of the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. Christ's kingdom is not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. So Christ never intended for His religion to be spread by fighting. And yet, look throughout the history of the world. Look even at the world today and we'll recognize how many folks believe that Christianity is to be propagated by the sword. You remember the Crusades? Uh, the recent movie out, The Kingdom of Heaven. I, I haven't seen it. I don't know if I can recommend it or not about the Crusades. becoming a very popular thing. All that was because they thought that Christianity was to be spread by the sword. The Spanish Inquisition. Remember the Edgar Allan Poe story, Pit and the Pendulum. That happened during there. All of that was about Christianity being spread by the sword. We go over to Ireland today and we find a civil war that's all based upon the concept that they're supposed to spread their brand of Christianity with the sword. It's happening all over. And of course, we here in America, we recognize, oh, it's not about the sword, but we, we do something different. We're not pulling out guns, most of us, to, to spread Christianity, and we're not threatening to harm people, but there are a whole lot of folks in our society today that have the idea that the battle of Christianity should be fought on the floor of Congress. And while they're not pulling out guns and knives and swords, they think it's a legal battle that should be fought by the Supreme Court. And I've known folks that are more interested in going to Washington than in going to heaven. And they want some type of united front so that the Christians can have a political say-so on what's going on in the world. What we have to recognize is that's not what God intended. Christianity was not, in, was not brought into this world for political purposes. I certainly want laws to be opposed to homosexuality and abortion. And I want the laws to be favorable to Christianity, but we need to realize, even if we got every single law in the world to correspond with the Bible, until we get the teaching of God in people's hearts, they're still going to be lost sinners. And Jesus came to save sinners, not to govern nations. Christianity is not a thought religion. It is a taught religion. Second Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 24. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 24, Paul said, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. The Lord's bondservant is not to be a brawler. He's not to be quarrelsome or a fighter. But rather, he's supposed to be able to teach gently and patiently. And that's not to say that there won't ever be times of argument or debate. We can go into the Scripture. John 15 said, or Acts 15 said there was debate among the brethren there. So I recognize there's going to be that. It's, it's really about an issue of motivation. You see, there are some people that just can't wait to get into a Bible fight so they can put all these wrong people out there in their place. And that's not the motivation of the bondservant of the Lord. The bondservant of the Lord just wants to teach the Gospel so that people can go to God's place. And that's the motivation that we need to have as we're getting that gospel out because it's not a thought religion. It's not about arguing and fighting and fussing over things. It's just about getting out there and just teaching folks what God says. Why? Not because we want to prove we're right and they're wrong, but because we just want to know what's right from God's Word and help everybody go to heaven. 
Now think about this in the home. How many folks get to a point where Christianity in the home is, is a fight with their kids? Obviously, there's nothing foolproof about raising your children to turn them into Christians, but I, I tell you what, as a general rule, if more parents would spend more time as their kids are younger teaching them God's will, they could spend less time when they're older fighting with them about it. Because Christianity is a taught religion. As we look at John chapter 6, we find out that it's not only not a thought religion, we recognize that it's not a bought religion. I'm amazed at the number of people that go to John chapter 6 and they use it as justification for family life centers and fellowship halls and inner city giveaways. And they'll, they'll say all kinds of things about, oh, well, you can't teach people who are hungry. And, and look at Jesus. He fed the folks. Well, He certainly did feed them. But when they came around the next day and they wanted feeding again, remember what He said? He rebuked them. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek Me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus pointed out that they misunderstood and folks today have the exact same misunderstanding. Jesus did not feed the crowd so they would listen to His teaching. Jesus performed an amazing miracle so that they would know He is the Son of God. And brethren, if we have the miraculous ability to take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people so that they would know we're from God, then we can do that. But this chapter is not about feeding the hungry so that they'll listen to our teaching. It's just not there. Jesus refused to do that. That's, that's what he's saying it's not about. And they pressed him. They, they pushed him. In verse 27, he said, Don't work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. He said, I've got food that I want to give to you, but it's not the loaves and the fishes. But that's the food they were in, interested in. They said, Okay, well, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Verse 30 notes this. So they said to him, well, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? You think yesterday's sign was not enough? We had just fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes, but they said, well, we need more sign. And then they referred to Moses. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said, oh, give this always to us. You see, they still didn't get it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. And on he goes. You see, the point is, he was saying that he is the bread of life. They wanted loaves and fishes. Jesus was saying, you need to listen to me. You need to believe in me. You need to do what I say. And that's the bread of life that God has given. That's the food that comes down out of heaven that provides us with eternal life. And Jesus said, I'm not doing this over here. That wasn't what that was about. You were supposed to see the sign and believe in me. Not see the food and want me to be a king so you can have bread and fishes every day. And you see, from this we learn why they wanted him to be king. Not because they saw Him as the powerful Son of God, but because they saw Him as a means to eat every day. And Jesus said, that's not the point. And I'm amazed at this, because Jesus turned away from a bought 
Christianity. Yet today, that is one of the most common ways that folks are trying to bring people into the church. How many churches are into this idea, you know, if we have family life centers and gymnasiums and upward basketball and soccer and cheerleading and, and ice cream socials and all those things, we'll get folks to come in by the droves and we can buy them in and then they'll start serving God. Uh, somebody just, you know, I don't know, it was amazing, providential. Somebody gave me this just a few moments ago from a church down in Spring Hill. The front side of it says, feed your stomach, feed your soul, it's church over eating. Here's what it says. It's summertime. Time to kick back. Smell the coffee and thank the God who created caffeine. We know all about the lazy days of summer. Better yet, we know the maker of them. Come join us this summer for an outdoor worship experience during Church Over Easy or get a feel for our kid-oriented worship service, Kid Stuff, designed to help parents teach their kids about God throughout the week. This summer at the church... We want to feed our stomachs with food, feed our hearts with ideas from God, and feed our souls as we worship together. Come be our guests. June 26th, they have just regular worship at 10.07 a.m. July 3rd, it's Church Over Easy, which is outdoor worship with brunch. July 10th, Church Over Easy, outdoor worship with brunch. July 17th, Kids Stuff, worship where kids bring their parents. And July 24th, regular worship. What is that? We're trying to buy. That's bought Christianity. We think if we feed you, you'll come in. And then maybe we'll be able to teach you some things. And you'll want to be with us because of look at all the things we have to offer you if you come be a part of this church. And with the kids. How much does that happen with the kids? How many Christians have bought into the mindset that, you know, what we really need is a great youth group that, that has all these parties and sleepovers and movie nights and ice cream parties and pizza parties and trips to Six Flags? Or, and if we could just, boy, if we just do that, boy, the kids would be excited and we've had all, we'd have all kinds of kids here. I'm amazed at the number of folks who will call in and they'll ask the church as they've moved into the area, what do you have to offer my kids? If you're here visiting with us today and you have that question, let me tell you what we have to offer your kids here. The saving gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if that's not enough for you, there's a church down in Spring Hill that will feed you. But what we have is words of eternal life. Because we're interested in you and your kids going to heaven. Christianity is a taught religion. It is not a bought religion. The third thing we recognize that Christianity is not from this text. It doesn't come from a specific verse, but it comes from the entire chapter as a whole. We recognize that Christianity is not a caught religion. It's not some idea of, boy, if they just hang out with Christians long enough, they'll finally get that Christianity bug, that virus, and, and they'll be just like us. If we can just get them to stick around long enough, they'll end up becoming like we are. Here, the folks were more than happy to line up and hang out with Jesus and listen to Him. But that didn't turn them into disciples because when He started teaching them, they left. Not to forget the one man who in this text was going to spend three years with Jesus and yet would end up betraying Him. Because Christianity is not a caught religion. It's not some issue of getting folks in here and letting them drink the water and, and they'll get the bug. Christianity is a taught religion. And yet how many folks today 
want to pass Christianity on as a caught religion. It's that mindset that tells the preacher, listen, we don't want you to, to preach on those hard things that distinguish us from all the, the churches out there that are mixing God's religion with what they want to do. Don't talk about instruments of music. Certainly don't talk about lascivious dancing because we want our kids to go to the prom. Don't talk about all that lascivious stuff that the cheerleaders are doing because that's just going to offend people. Don't talk about the one church and the baptism safe. Let's save all that for later. Once we've gotten them liking us, and then we'll sneak some of that in. And maybe because they've been around us enough and find out that we're just really nice people and we don't eat our children and all that other kind of stuff, then they'll go ahead and stick around. But that's not what Jesus did. I mean, I'm amazed. It, it, it almost looked like Jesus was on a mission to offend these folks. And I'm not suggesting we need to be on a mission to offend folks, but I mean, look at what Jesus says here. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. To these folks, that was offensive. Because Jesus recognized it is not a caught religion. This is the mindset that says, let's have entertaining worship. Let's have a knockout, drop-dead experience of worship. Isn't that what that talked about? Come have a great experience. You see, that's what our society is in. Yeah, come join us this summer for an outdoor worship experience. It's not just the regular worship. Now, you can get that on June 26th and July 24th, but if you go on July 3rd, July 10th, or July 17th, you'll get a real worship experience. Oh, man, wouldn't I love that? That's, that's what people are trying to draw folks with. And boy, if we can provide those experiences, they'll just come around long enough. They'll finally just become what we are. And it doesn't work that way. And how often do, I, do we see that happening with the way churches are trying to propagate Christianity to their kids? Boy, if we can just make it fun enough that they'll want to keep coming back to class, then eventually they'll grow up and be Christians. And when the idea of fun... And I, listen, I like things to be fun. Uh, wasn't our class fun this morning, David? Okay, see, I mean, I'm all into fun. But when fun and games and recreation and experience become the draw, we've missed the boat. When we're more concerned about how fun what we're doing is in order to get folks to come back, we've lost sight of the fact that what our real goal is is not how much fun are we having to get them to come back, but how much are we teaching them so they'll get to go to heaven. That is the goal. That is the goal. Because Christianity is a taught religion. It is not a caught religion. And if we're going to turn our kids into Christians, it's not going to happen because they came to church all their lives. How many Christians have we seen who have fallen adult children? And they'll come to the elders, or they'll come to the preacher, or they'll talk to you over coffee, and they say, I just don't know what I did wrong. I brought them to church all their lives. My question is not, do you have them in a church that's providing stuff for them? My question is, how much are you teaching them? Because Christianity is a taught religion. And as we conclude, I just want to point out one other reality regarding this. It's kind of a sad reality, 
But it is the reality of pursuing a taught religion. The fact is, most people don't want a taught Christianity. Here were five to ten, twelve thousand people that had followed Jesus. And when He began to teach them, they didn't want it. And you know, by today's standards, Jesus' efforts there on the, by the Sea of Galilee would be a miserable failure because He had close to 10,000 people, and by the time He was done, He had 12. I mean, I can just imagine, if through teaching I ran off all but 12 of you, the elders would probably fire me, wouldn't they? But that's exactly what Jesus did. I read a lot of stuff about church growth because I'm interested in getting the gospel out and saving folks. And uh, you know, sadly, it's it's mostly folks in the denominational world that write that kind of stuff. And and one of the big slogans today, perhaps you've heard it. Boy, if you want your church to grow, you need to look around and see what God is blessing and get on that bandwagon. Anybody heard anything like that? See what God is blessing. And how do you see what God is? Blessing? Well, you look at the churches that are getting lots of people. Look at the things that are being successful and they're getting lots of people in there. God is obviously blessing that. And you do that and you'll be blessed too. But I'm amazed that you don't find that from John 6 because, you know, the people were lined up to hang out with Jesus. They were lined up to make Jesus king. They were lined up to get fed. You see, they were lined up. The masses were there for fought, bought, and caught Christianity. But Jesus pushed all that aside and, and tried to teach the folks and open up their hearts and minds to the words of eternal life that He had to give them, and they didn't want it. Boy, they were ready to fight Caesar to have a king who would feed them. They were ready to hang out with Jesus all day long. They were ready to eat every day, but listen to Jesus' teaching? They weren't ready for that. And we need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. we just got to be prepared for this. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. God has always said there's only going to be a few saved, because most people don't want what God has to offer. Jesus Christ and Him crucified in the words of eternal life that we can have through His teaching just isn't enough for most folks. They want fun and games. They want entertainment. They want recreation. They want to know, what can your church give me? What Jesus gave them 2,000 years ago just isn't enough for most people. But that's all that we have to offer because that's all that matters. And when we pursue a taught Christianity, we just are going to have to understand that the masses are going to go down to church over easy. And they're not going to come to talk Christianity. I'm not saying folks won't be saved. There will be folks saved. It'll be few. But the folks that stick around with the talk Christianity will be the ones that have hung on to words of eternal life. And their souls will be saved. And isn't that what's important? Because remember what Jesus said, there's only one way to get to Him. It's if the Father draws Him. How does the Father draw Him? By being taught of God. That's what we've got to be pushing teaching. Because Christianity is a taught religion. And we can jump on the bandwagon with all the churches around us. We can have concerts. 
We can have trips to Six Flags. We can have fellowship halls and gymnasiums. But that won't be a taught Christianity that Jesus wanted. And I'll tell you, I just want us to think about our kids. I'm really concerned. I mean, I have three of them. Who knows how many more? I hope Marita didn't hear that. But, you know, maybe three, maybe more someday. She's not pregnant now. But I want them to go to heaven. And sometimes I fear that we look around us and we look at the wrong statistic. We look at the people's church with hundreds of kids in their youth group. Or some of the institutional brethren that have all kinds of college kids, and they do all kinds of those fun things with them. And we look at how many young people we have, and we think, oh, you know, we need to be doing something like them so we can have more young people. My question is, how many of those folks are sticking with it after they leave home? And the answer is, few. But you know what concerns me? What we do with our kids as they grow up is going to impact them for the rest of their lives. And if we train them up as our kids to look forward to a thought, bought, and caught Christianity, we are not ever going to be able to convince them to turn over to a taught Christianity. And that is why we are now in a generation of adult religious people that are more interested in how fun worship can be and not how much Bible they can learn and read. Because to them, a taught Christianity is just too boring. Go to Bible class, study my Bible. That's too much like homework. That's boring. It's no fun. And brethren, I'm just going to tell you, it's one of the reasons so many of our kids go to college and end up going to institutional and liberal churches. Because unwittingly, we train them up to look for fun, bought, caught, and fought Christianity. And what we've got to be concerned about is teaching them how to get to heaven. Because that's the only way they're going to get there. And so my question as we close for you is, what kind of religion are you interested in? Are you interested in the fun and exciting, fought, caught, and bought Christianity that you can find in so many churches today? Are you interested in Christianity that is anchored deeply in God's Word? You know, that kind of Christianity can be fun. It can be exciting. But it'll only be fun and exciting when we have the mindset of that song we sing. Y'all know that song, Psalm 19? Boy, we love that song, don't we? But do you remember what Psalm 19 says? Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. We love to sing that song, but how many of us really mean it? But I'd rather have God's Word than a pile of gold. I'd rather have God's Word than a mound of sweet-tasting food. God's taught Christianity can be really fun and really exciting, but you've got to love God's Word. And the problem is, most folks don't love God's Word. They don't want to read it every day. They don't want to come to a church that is simply just going to teach it. 
But brethren, that's all we can offer if we're going to get folks to heaven. And if you're our guest, it is not my desire to upset you and send you off someplace else. But that's all we're going to offer. Because frankly, we're more concerned about helping you get to heaven than making sure you come back next Sunday. What kind of Christianity are you interested in? I hope this lesson was beneficial to you as we took a look at some of the common misconceptions and misunderstandings people have today about propagating Christ's religion. Let's remember what we learned today. Christianity is a taught religion. It is not a thought religion. It is not a bought religion. It is not a caught religion. It is a taught religion. Finally, we learned that most people are not interested in a taught religion. Nevertheless, we must follow Christ's teachings and we must pass on Christ's teachings, no matter what the masses may think of it. If you have any questions about Christianity, about the teachings of Christianity, about how to be a part of Christianity and have your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, please contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or you may go to our website at www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody gave you this lesson. If so, let me invite you to go to that website. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons that you can download in both audio and outline format. I encourage you to go to that website Study the lessons, download them, listen to them, pass them out to your friends and neighbors and families and co-workers. Whatever you think will help glorify God and draw people to Him. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.